Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome. This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Attic Channel. I'm Adam Best, as always, here with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and our guy, producer Richard, doing his thing behind the scenes. You hanging in there after the uh, the Monday night debacle? I'm fine, man. I'm fine because it's Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful we are still living in the glory days of Chiefs football. I mean, imagine just, what, a decade ago, the Chiefs would have lost to the best team in the NFC by just four points. We would have been ecstatic saying, look, we're right there. But things have changed a lot, and surprisingly, we have higher expectations when Mahomes is quarterback than when Brady Quinn was. But I'm excited. Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving is one day away. I can't wait. That means sweet potato casserole is coming my way. Yeah, as a uh, wide receiver aficionado connoisseur, it's my favorite position. I feel like this season was designed in a lab to trigger me, but I'm hanging in there. I will say there is a an, a Thanksgiving episode coming out tomorrow that we pre-recorded last week where I called MVS my turkey preemptively. <laughs> I've just been on this guy all season long. Uh, it's just been the worst season imaginable for that guy. Uh, I kind of feel bad for him, but at the same time, like, man, we got to have better. We got to have better. We'll get into that. We will get into that. Uh, we've got a jam packed show for you guys. We'll dig into Raider week with a great guest and then play a little hot take kingdom. But first a little bit of business to pay the bills. Yeah. Everyone who was listening right now, just a quick reminder that Arrowhead addict is running a deposit match promotion up to a hundred dollars for any new sleeper daily fantasy user. Make sure to use our code fansided two when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on screen to see if you qualify. Well, here to brief us on the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm still not used to saying that. You know, I was alive when they were in L.A., uh, Oakland, and, and and now Vegas. It's still the Let's San Diego Chargers to me, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Let's welcome Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. Murph, thanks for coming on the show. Impressive setup there, I have to say. Thank you very much. First and foremost, thank you all for having me. Uh, appreciate the uh, the invite always to go uh, behind enemy lines. And uh, hopefully I've got uh, the Raider Nation uh, Twitter X on my side here as we uh, as we sent out uh, we sent out the bat signal, the Raider Nation to come in here and back me up a little bit. Uh, but anyways, appreciate it, guys. And appreciate the compliment on the setup. Uh, as we always say around here, we're just three knuckleheads in a bonus room that like to talk about our favorite football team. And so welcome to the bonus room. <laughs> hey, no, no different here. But speaking of behind enemy lines, I once went out to the uh, the black hole in Oakland dressed in, in nothing but Chiefs red. I, I was fortunate to be with Raiders fans. How was the black hole now that it's relocated to Vegas? Uh, you know, it's got mixed results. So I went and I, I've only sat in the black hole in Legion Stadium once. It was against the Commanders game a couple of years ago. And I sat amongst a bunch of freaking Washington fans. And so uh, it was it was kind of odd. It's not like the old days of the Oakland Coliseum. And they're still the Oakland Raiders to me, too, guys. And I remember them from when they were in Oakland the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've turned that calendar enough times. But anyways, point being, it's it's not the same energy. It's uh, it's different, but it's OK. It's um. Vegas is starting to find its voice a little bit in terms of uh, Raider fans. Uh, Antonio Pierce has certainly started to bring that out of the fan base. We're seeing the idea of the takeover and all that stuff of Allegiant Stadium is starting to subside a little bit. And, uh, you know, with a big win uh, at home against, the uh, you know, your guys' ketchup and mustard donned football team, uh, it was sure would go a long way of, of, of raising up this fan base even more so. So, again, it's not the same, but it's getting there. And, it, and it's, Vegas is organically finding its own thing and so it's never going to be oakland but that's okay it'll just be its own thing now i can't wait to go out there and catch a a chief raiders game sounds like a blast so we have six questions for you let's crack open that six pack let's do it 
The Chiefs offense is currently ninth in EPA per play. The Raiders defense is currently 13th in EPA per play. Is this finally a fair fight? Well, for folks like me that pay just enough attention to not know what EPA is, I had to look it up. And so for those of you that are out there and listening on it, so expected points added. So for every play, you have an expected point total based on the situation where you're out on the field. And that EPA is what the Raiders are, or, or the, and the Chiefs in this case are going to do above and beyond that. Well, all that said, all the analytics, Brandon Staley, Listen, all they, all we got to do is look at it like this. Raiders right now, our defense is, uh, leads the NFL with only 12.7 points allowed per game in the last three games. Overall this season, they've allowed the 13th least points per game. That's the best since 2002 when we went to the Super Bowl. And, oh, yeah, we're the third best defense in this stat at home this year. So all that tells us the Raiders are finally playing good defense. And that's been for an awful long time. We have to go back to like the 2006 uh, Raiders who also had a, a terrible offense and couldn't get out of their own way and only won two games. That said that there's the idea that the Raiders are now finally playing defense. So if we can put up any kind of points, if we can get the ball moving at all, absolutely. I think it's going to be a fair fight. And I think that, and we, we talk about this on the show all the time. I love the movie Predator. And there's that scene when Schwarzenegger is walking through the jungle and he sees the blood on the leaves and he goes, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Well, guess what? Y'all bled like hell on Monday night. So we're coming for you. Let's go. <laughs> you know, there's a Chiefs flag literally planted in the new Raiders stadium, but that's OK. Uh, we don't have to talk about that one or the fact that the Raiders, you know, perpetually seem to shoot themselves in their foot. It's OK. We don't have to talk about that. We're, we try to give you one stat to make it seem like it's going to be close. When in reality, we could have used, you know, uh, a plethora of other stats to prove our point. We're trying to be friendly here on this show. And I do want to give you guys some love because Antonio Pierce has done a great job. The Raiders players are responding in this phenomenal way because Josh McDaniels was a clown. And quite frankly, that's disrespectful to clowns. He should have <laughs> never gotten the opportunity to coach the Raiders. But what do you know? Davis said, yeah, he's got a. Here's a guy who this is my haircut. In coach form. That's what happened. But Josh McDaniels is canned. You saw the players lighten up cigars after a, what, week seven victory over the Giants. Come on, man. So give me your thoughts on Antonio Pierce and the players responding to him. Yeah, to talk about invigorating not only the locker room and the football team, but the entirety of the fan base. I don't know, and we've certainly not with the Raiders uh, have ever seen this quick of a cultural turnaround. Uh, we saw certainly a recovery when Rich Bisaccia took over after Gruden was uh, was was you know dismissed from the football team. There was a, definitely there was a change. It was a change in the locker room. It was a change in in in, in everything about it. But this is even more so than that. This goes beyond just success on the on, on the football field, and I think it's an absolutely it's it's beyond admirable. And I, there's a lot of fans like me that already want Antonio Pierce to just be our coach. You know, there's there's it's been so significant and so impactful that it, yeah, I mean, not only is the team clearly responding to him, um, but but the fan base is. And something unique about uh, the way that the team is responding. I, I cited the um, the example of Dan Campbell and the Lions a lot uh, in terms of kind of comparing what's gone on with the Raiders lately uh, compared to what went on with the Lions a couple of years ago. Uh, Dan Campbell comes in, takes over the team, and they continued to lose, but the messaging was so positive. The buy-in was still there. Everybody was pulling the same rope. There was still a unity amongst that football team, and then all of a sudden, the wins started manifesting after that, and what did they close out? One like eight straight or whatever the heck it was to close out that season. And then now here, the one of the better teams in the NFC. I think that same story can, can, can be told and be applied to Antonio Pierce is that even though we lost a tough game last week by holding a freaking high powered offense to, a, to, you know, six points in the second half, but, but the guys aren't down and they're fired up. And I'm telling you, you guys are going to have your hands full this week with this Raiders football team, especially defensively. We're going to come after you guys. Were you shocked just that Rich Passaccia was let go? Because I understand, you know, he doesn't have the pedigree of, well, I guess, Josh McDaniel's pedigree is what kind of bailing. That's what his pedigree has been in the past. Being a, uh, a me first kind of head coach was wild to say about a head coach. I was shocked that Rich didn't get the job. Were you, were you surprised that they made that move to begin with? Yeah, I was. So, uh, so we're, we're boys with Will Compton. Uh, we got to know Will not only through podcasting, but obviously being a Raider. And he was in that locker room uh, and, and played for Basaccia and has a relationship with Rich uh, that, that goes back in, in not only hearing 
him speak of their relationship firsthand, but other guys uh, that, that were in that locker room, they look at riches beyond just a football coach. I don't want to overblow it and say that he's a father figure to them, but it's more that type of a figure. So the, the, the idea that the Raiders moved on from him and Mark Davis uh, chose to move on from him. Yeah, I think it was a little bit uh, surprising to us. But that said, I understand the spirit behind the reasoning that Mark had, you know, Mark wants to hand the keys to the no, safeties were kingdom around you guys, but hand the keys to the kingdom on, uh, you know, to, 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 a, to somebody to run the football operations or run the football team. And, and that's what he looked at, at uh, Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler is doing. So I don't begrudge the spirit of it, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was a little bit of a, of a miss that said now with bringing in Antonio Pierce, I mean, I, I, th- I don't think he's going to repeat that again. If we have any success with Antonio Pierce, and you see this continued enthusiasm and buy-in and culture shift, and the Raiders, this is the first time the Raiders have felt like the Raiders in a while, guys. Like, you know, you guys have, have, have rooted against us long enough. You know what it is. This Raider thing is kind of different. It's kind of unique. We're kind of misfits, and we should be. And we like that, and we like being the villains, and we like not being liked, and we like we don't want our players to be the darlings of the NFL and, you know, be associated with pop stars and all that other kind of stuff. We don't like that stuff. Like, we want to be freaking gritty and gnarly and nasty, and you know what I mean? And so that's, that's what it is to be a Raider, and it feels like we're getting back to that. The spirit of the Raiders is returning to the organization. It's all because of AP. And so, so if, if moving on from Basachi got us to here, then so be it. And I like to talk a lot, guys, if you can't tell. I'm no, also- that, that's good. And I, I love the culture coming back because those of us who, who like superheroes or, or good stories know that a hero is, is only as good as the villain, you know? And when that Raider mystique was gone, it just makes the AFC West way less fun I enjoy the silver and black being a heel to the Chiefs. It's a great rivalry. Uh, I, I, I want it to be more of an even one, believe it or not. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You talked about kind of gritty and grimy players. Well, nobody embodies that better than Max Crosby. And the amazing thing about Max Crosby this year is he's playing more snaps than anybody, but it hasn't hurt his efficiency because he's leading the league in pressures and he is awesome versus the run as well. Do you think he can win Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, yeah, I don't know who sponsors your all shows, but shout out Bet MGM Sportsbook because I bet for him to win Defensive Player of the Year before the season started. And so hopefully that thing will come through. And there's some, listen, there's some phenomenal players uh, on on the defensive side of the ball uh, in the AFC. But I mean, Max right now is absolutely, uh, you know, on that shortest of lists. And you know, you, you mentioned how he he kind of represents that version of the Raiders. And I mean, no one does it. Be- no one's done it better in recent history. And he is already. We feel we talk about this on our show that we feel that Max has already elevated himself into a position to be in the discussion with the greatest Raiders of all time. We know that he's chasing down Greg Townsend's, uh, you know, sack record uh, for, for all time. We know he's chasing down Derek Burgess for single season sack record. The the, the impact that he has had uh, to this Raiders defense is has just been unmatched of recent. And if we can ever get Tyree Wilson going. God forbid you got to start doubling Tyree Wilson and leave Max singled up or vice versa or whatever. Like this defense could be nasty if that young man can get going. Yeah, uh, I I will say you guys are very known for hitting on, you know, first round defensive ends, right? Quillen Farrell was obviously a very good one. Uh, I'm assuming Wilson did. (laughs) No, man, Max Crosby's awesome. I I hate the fact I like him, just not when he's playing Kansas City because he seems to be a guy that gets into it with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Devontae Adams is finally starting to find a groove with Aiden O'Connell, right? It's finally starting to come along. But for Kansas City, they've been phenomenal with Legereus Sneed going up against wide receiver ones. A.J. Brown, eight yards. They locked up Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson before his injury. I mean, the Chiefs cornerbacks, and specifically Jarius Sneed, have been electric. What do you think this matchup is going to look like between Devontae and Jarius Sneed? 
Well, you know, we we think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in all of football. And if you ask Devontae Adams if, if you can still throw it to him when he's covered, uh, the answer to that question is going to be yes. So, uh, you know, I'm curious, that, and I, this is maybe a, even a question back for you guys, uh, is is Snead the kind of guy, and, and, and defensively, is that he the kind of guy that's going to follow Devontae around? Because yeah. Devontae is all over the field. He'll so, sh- he's been shadowing this year. He shadowed A.J. Brown this past week. And he's the most penalized corner in the league because – he is feisty. He's big. He's physical. He's going to be uh, up in Devontae's grill. So it's going to be a, a testy, fun matchup, I believe. So if that's the case, if he's if he's in a position to where he's, you know, no, you're never going to take Devontae Adams out of the game. The only person that's ever been able to do that is Josh McDaniels. Um, but if you can find a way to, uh, you know, uh, you know, lock him down a little bit in place, or even if they got to start doubling him, well, then guess what? We got Michael Mayer, we got Hunter Renfro, we got Jacoby Myers. All those guys are going to be working down low and underneath and working and getting free. That's the one thing about our Raider team, too, is that, and what was so disappointing under the Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, re- regime there was that we have all these offensive weapons and none of them were being utilized in a, in a very productive way. And so I think that now we're starting to see that we're starting to see Hunter Renfro start to emerge a little bit to come out and come out of, uh, you know, out of, out of whatever, whatever purgatory he was in under McDaniel. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what we're going to do offensively and to answer your question in terms of a one-on-one matchup, there's not anybody in the league that I don't think that Devonte Adams could be not to say that he's going to win every single matchup, but there's not anybody that's going to be able to cover that guy one-on-one all game long, every game and, and completely take him out of it. Yeah. I think the Eagles, the same thing with AJ Brown, six straight games going over 125, and then one catch for eight yards. What it comes down to is Legereus Sneed is very physical, but again, Trent McDuffie is the other guy, the tandem to Legereus, which in my opinion makes it the best cornerback tandem in the entire NFL. He's ranked as, you know, top three on PFF. The last time I checked, he's forced five fumbles. He's really good either blitzing the quarterback or dropping back in a coverage. He can do a little bit of everything. I wonder if he will be a guy who, if you're going to use Hunter Renfro in the slot, um, might be a little interesting matchup there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's going to get used a lot. And we heard Antonio Pierce make comments about that this week. You know, He calls him crazy legs. And it's nice to see that Hunter Renfro is starting to do Hunter Renfro stuff again. And, you know, under McDaniel's system, it was all about, you know, timing. And, like, he had to run around a very specific way to get to a spot where with Derek Carr and with John Gruden, it was, okay, Hunter, get to the spot. And however you want to get there, just get there. And so you'd see him running all these double, triple moves and all this funky stuff and all this improvised things that Hunter would do, but then he would always be open. And so we're starting to see him return to more of that. So absolutely, I look to see Hunter Renfro have a big day. And then I think Josh Jacobs is going to get moving. You mentioned how successful your your all secondary has been and, and your corners are. Well, that's, but you're pretty weak up front against the run. Uh, so I, I have, I have a, good, a good feeling about Josh Jacobs. And I think also, too, what's the best thing for a young quarterback that you're trying to get going? Well, keep them protected and then give them a good running game. And hopefully we'll get Colton Miller back this week. And, uh, and he, that he's our best offensive lineman. And he can continue to hold down that left side of the line for us and, and really get the running game going again because we, we just didn't see a lot of run production since Miller's been gone. And uh, it's I mean, it's you would like to still think that we could be more productive, but he clearly is is the cog uh, in that offensive line. And so we really need to need to get that thing going and get Colton Miller back. And then, yeah, I think we're going to run the heck out of the football against you guys. Yeah, you hit on the running game. So let's continue down that path. I'm sorry. This is kind of a stat nerd show. The Chiefs defense is third in pass DVOA, but 27th against the rush. Can Josh Jacobs exploit what I think is kind of a run funnel intentionally defense uh, from Kansas City? Yeah, so you guys, I mean, so so you say intentional, so that means like you're kind of inviting teams to grind you up and and beat you with the run and assuming that you're just going to be able to outscore everybody? Is that kind of the theory? I think we want to limit explosive plays primarily. Well, you found the right team for that because <laughs> we certainly <laughs> We certainly don't have a lot of explosive plays, uh, but they're getting there. I mean, we saw a 48-yard bomb to Devontae Adams from young Aiden O'Connell uh, against Miami this last week. But, but outside of that, uh, and even in the running game, I think Josh has only had uh, somebody fact-check me, but I think there's only like one run over 40 yards or something this year. Uh, so, And he's not a big breakaway guy anyways, unless we're playing the Texans to close it out. But outside of that, so um, 
Yeah, but I, I do think it can get going, though. I think that that's even if, if – and here's the thing about the Raiders this year. If we can keep a game close, this version of the Raiders, not the Josh McDaniels one, but now if, if we can keep the game close, I think there's an opportunity for us to win football games. You know, I, we did it against Miami, and although there's been some discussion around, you know, should we have tried to be kicking field goals in order to, to have an opportunity to win? Uh, Antonio Pierce will tell you, look, we're let, we had an opportunity to close out the game or to tie the game. We don't, we're not worried about field goals at that point. But the idea, though, is that we played one of the most high-powered offenses in the league on the road on an early start time, which we're terrible at, and we were within a touchdown of them in the second half to win the close out uh, to either tie the game or to win it with a two point conversion. So that's, that's very encouraging. You guys like, I mean, you guys have an embarrassment of riches nowadays with the way that your chiefs teams have been lately. Cause you guys have been so dominant and so good now uh, for, for even before Mahomes, even when it was Alex Smith, you guys were had, you had fantastic football teams. We hadn't had, it's been a drought in Raider nation for a long freaking time. So to now finally see a defense that can keep us in a game within one score at the end of the game, no moral victories, but that was a lot for us to take away away from to be encouraged going into this game against another high powered offense. But this time we're at home and I, I think there's an opportunity for us to, as you mentioned, run, run the football. Let's keep it close and we'll have a shot to win it in the end. The only issue is with Josh Jacobs looking it up right now. He's gone over 100 yards once this season, over seven or over 80 yards only twice this season. He's been very inefficient. Again, uh, I've, I've watched a good amount of Raiders games, but not everyone. So that is a little box score watching, obviously. But he hasn't been the most efficient back. I know he's a very talented running back. Is this part of the offensive line not giving him a ton of holes? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's hard. to So this is really interesting in looking at the way that when we try to like break down what's going on with the Raiders and I listen, I'm just a fan. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a film guy. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a former player. I'm not, but just what are the, what do the optics tell you? What are our eyes tell us? And when we look at what the Raiders did under Josh McDaniels, it's so much different. And so I feel, I still feel like here we are three games in uh, to Antonio Pierce's tenure and we're still kind of trying to figure out, you know, what what players were struggling versus what players just weren't being used effectively based on McDaniel's scheme and his intention with the offense and all this kind of stuff. So like a like a guy like Hunter Renfro, like we he literally disappeared. This is a guy that had 103 catches for over a thousand yards a couple of years ago. And then all of a sudden he disappeared from the face of the earth. It was like, well, he didn't just all of a sudden wake up one day, not talented. So and now here we start to see him reemerge. So but back then it was like, what was it? Is it Hunter or is it that Hunter? wasn't being utilized and we've learned it was because he wasn't being utilized. So when it comes to Josh Jacobs, I agree with you. He's had a lack of production, but as soon as we saw Antonio Pierce get into the building, all of a sudden that thing started to hockey stick a little bit. So I think that there's, it's still probably a remains to be seen, but I mean, look at, listen, this is the guy that led the league in rushing, you know, last year he was at, you know, going into last week, he, although the Raiders played an extra game, he was still within a hundred yards of, of the rushing leader and he was in third place at the time. So I think it's going to Josh Jacobs is going to get going. I think that out of all of the pieces of our football team, he's one of the ones that we as fans are, are concerned with, you know, probably the least, you know, or one of one of the ones on the short list anyways. Um, give us an X factor from the Raiders roster that people might be sleeping on and also a final score prediction. And if you want to sprinkle in a little bit about Aiden O'Connell, I wouldn't hate that either. <laughs> well, let's sprinkle it in off the top. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, I think, was exposed a little bit last week. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to say that he was exposed in terms of his limitations, but in terms of how he is, uh, you know, three games into his, his you know, starting career, four games total. Uh, I, I think that there were some things shown there that, you know, he, he can be a little stiff in the, in the pocket, uh, you know, the arm strength going to on like a bubble screen, uh, you know, or at least the placement of the ball could be a little bit questioned. So there are some things, but he's a fourth round draft pick. So what is our expectation as fans? So I think that, you know, certain things are consistent in the NFL, regardless of what era you play in, regardless of, you know, who's on the, on the football field. If you play good defense, and run the football well, and you don't turn the ball over, you'll be in every football game you've ever played, if not you know, running off a bunch of championships. And so there are flashier ways to do things, and you guys know that with the you know, highlight reels that you have on your, on your offense. Um, but that said, those are the things that, uh, that this team has to do consistently. And Aiden O'Connell can do that. Can he take care of the football? Yes, absolutely. And, and he also has the potential 
you know, to explode. We saw him in college and play, you know, in the Music City Bowl against the University of Tennessee, and the guy threw for 500 yards, and they scored 58 points. I mean, the guy, he has the ability to freaking to move an offense in, 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 in terms of, you know, athletic talent and arm talent. We just, we just saw that on the NFL level, well, there were still some things to figure out. So well, where are we going to end up with, with Aiden? I think it remains to be seen, um, but he's got six games to do it, as, as Antonio Pierce uh, said. So then um, X factor. So Antonio Pierce is the X factor for us. It's hard not to talk about the Raiders and not point immediately to the impact, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show the impact that Antonio Pierce has had to the Raiders and the change that's happened to this football team. Um, so he's by far number one, but to give you one on the other side of the, uh, or give you on the, on the field, if chiefs fans aren't familiar with Robert Spillane, you're going to be on Sunday at three twenty-five because that dude, number 41 is all over the field. Dude is a gamer. He's leading the, our team in interceptions. It's the first time we've had an effective game changing middle linebacker since Kirk Morrison. And that's going back a long ways for those of you that have been around, you know, uh, this Raiders chiefs rivalry long enough. Uh, so you're going to get to get to know uh, Bob Spillane on the defense and, uh, and I look forward to, to him and the rest of the defense having a big game. And your official prediction? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I want to be a realist. So how about 40 to three Raiders? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. That's quality trolling. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Murph. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and good luck on Sunday. Uh, thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Appreciate the invite joining uh, you guys here at Arrowhead Addict. Uh, tell Patrick I said hi. Tell the boss I said hi. And uh, But we appreciate you all very, very much, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. You too. Oh, Everyone, great. be sure to check out uh, Raiders Fan Radio podcast if you want to learn a little bit more about the Silver and Black this week. And we play them again later in the season. They do fantastic stuff over there, as you can probably tell. One thing here, just because I, I can't resist, what is the common denominator between the last firing the Do I mean the Detroit Lions had and this latest firing the Raiders had? It's another failed Patriot Way experiment. Oh, when you yeah. don't have when you don't have the aura of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to enforce the Patriot Way, these players they do not want to be under your fucking thumb. They just hate it. They hate it. They resist it. It always crashes and burns every single time. It hasn't worked anywhere else. That's why when fans say the Chiefs should emulate it, I just go bonkers. And it's kind of like a, a hobby horse of mine. That was great, though, man. Murph was awesome. Um, really good time. I, I love the uh, the confident delusion. I love that. The 40 and three end of the day, you know, when you have Aiden O'Connell as your quarterback, I, I just can't take it seriously. And again, the Raiders have played tough. And I actually agree with a lot of what he's saying as far as the wide receivers, the weapons for the Raiders should actually improve because I don't think Josh McDaniels had any idea what he was doing. He always thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And it turns out he has a 12 IQ. Like he just thinks he's smart. He's not actually smart. They're playing hard for Antonio Pierce, and they're actually getting in the right spots. Again, Hunter Renfro, as he mentioned, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams. The issue is that offensive line's not great. It's not great. Because I do think Josh Jacobs is talented, but it's not great. So right. you're, you're going to see Aiden O'Connell and Jacobs under a ton of pressure. Again, maybe the Chiefs offense doesn't get going, but I don't see how the Raiders score more than 14 17 points. If they scored more than 14 or 17, I would honestly be pretty shocked. This is really going to chap your ass, but Jacoby Myers, he cost about the same amount as MVS. I would, love, I know, I, I know. I would yeah. love to have Jacoby Myers right now. That guy, that guy gets open and squeezes the football and is ultra reliable. Uh, I can't believe the market last year where, where you had Alan Lazard get uh, a longer contract than Jacoby Myers. That was arguably more lucrative juju juju and his shot knee too i don't know why the patriots let let jacoby myers go for i don't know Some, sometimes these front offices just they the, don't the, the only team that's worse than identifying wide receiver talent in the chiefs is the patriots i mean that's like the only team oh no no question and it's been going on for a long long time i guess it kind of has been in kansas city as well but tyree kill kind of 
a little bit of Dwayne Bow, a lot of Tyree Kill, kind of like silenced the the whole like Chiefs can't find a wide receiver nightmare. Uh, but it is back in a major way, and that's a good transition to Hot Take Kingdom. This, okay, you got Before one. Before we get there, we have a yeah. uh, super chat from TPT Chiefs Football Podcast. Thank you so much for the super chat. It says Happy Thanksgiving, boys from TPT Podcast. But quick question. Is this team good enough to get to the AFC Championship? And why is ham better than turkey? Uh, Honey-baked ham is better than turkey because honey-baked ham is uh, incredible. And you can't uh, bleep it up. Turkey is like Josh Allen. It can compete with honey-baked ham, but only when it's good. Because when it's dry and it's trying to do too much, it's atrocious. It's going to lose you the game. It's going to lose you that Thanksgiving dinner. Okay? Ham is a great spiral just like Patrick Mahomes. If you cook the turkey right, not only is it great on Thursday, it's great on Black Friday with a little bit of mayonnaise. It's great on on Saturday with a little bit of cranberry sauce. You know, you can make sandwiches out of it. You're putting mayonnaise it's, on your turkey? Yeah. How many man. dead bodies are in your basement, guy? Hey, mayonnaise is a great American staple. How dare you? Oof, had to stand up for this one because I'm I'm pretty fired up about this situation. This week's Hot Take Kingdom is the Chiefs were arrogant to go wide receiver by committee when wide receivers matter more than ever. Welcome to the kingdom. Someone said they were disappointed that I didn't give them the dance on one episode. I think in fairness to me, it was because I had COVID. So no, no like a little, little uh, shimmy there that week. But before we get into this, just a quick question for you. I just want to see where you're at with this. I kind of think the Chiefs might value wide receiver less than any team in the league. Do you agree with this? That they, they just philosophically do not view the position as a premium position the way the rest of the league does? Yes, I think I would have to agree with you. Is that Andy? Is that Brett? Is that a combination uh, that's, you know, uh, that's kind of combined throughout their travels in Philly and now in Kansas City? Is that just kind of where they are as a duo, uh, like a brain trust? Yeah, because we know Andy has a lot of say, especially even in the draft of who of who is going to be coming here to Kansas City. It's not just Brett Veach, right? If Andy was sitting here saying, I want George Pickens, I'm, again, just hypothetically speaking here, of course, they probably would have gotten George Pickens. But if Andy said, no, we don't want him at all, we don't want to even touch him, they're not going to touch him. He's been around long enough. He's decorated enough that him and Brett Veach have a very nice uh, cohesion in regards to what's going to happen at certain positions, especially offensively and especially at wide receiver. So I think this is a little bit of a uh, 50-50 with GM and Andy. Just wanted to get your input there before we kick this off, because first of all, it's hard to figure out where Andy ends and Brett Beach starts because they have such a long running relationship. And then you throw in Matt Nagy, who uh, was Brett Beach's quarterback in college and they have they're they're got they're all on the same page so it's just an interesting thought experiment to think about will this be different when andy leaves you know not that i'm pushing andy out of the door or anything but i i do think that there's a little bit of this is the way the west coast offense works this is how we did it in philadelphia it's always worked it's even worked a little bit here receiver is different than it used to be you you know everyone used to seek julio jones like that do-it-all alpha big receiver who could just do everything. That really doesn't exist outside of A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson and a few other guys. You have two two Atwells running around now. You have Tank Dells running around. It's a more open game with RPOs and, and really smaller players everywhere all over in the field. And I, I just think, man, are we have we stopped to rethink where the game is at in 2023? It's not the same as as 2003 and i know around that time he had trell owens so he, even in philly he did have uh, a, a few guys that were were alphas or or you know deshaun jackson was kind of the the tank dell 1.0 uh 
But as we like to harp on in the show, five receivers in a in a, a career that spans decades that have had a thousand yards. So if you look at things like wins above replacement, along with quite a few other metrics, there's a strong case that wide receivers, at least in the conversation for the second most important position on the field. And I, I really think it does, it does have a lot of merits. Now, maybe you say in Kansas City, you don't need an A.J. Brown to help make Jalen Hurts an MVP candidate. You don't need a Stephon Diggs to make Josh Allen an MVP candidate. You don't need what Tua needs, right? I could go on and on, but you're seeing that trend league-wide. However, look at the wide receivers in the last three Super Bowls. Even for the Chiefs, we had Tyreek Hill. You know, we had Travis Kelsey, who you could argue is like 90% receiver. 10% 10% tight end. He's not even Dallas Goddard, who's a pretty good blocker. I'm not saying he's a he's an adequate blocker. He can block in a pinch, but he's basically a glorified wide receiver. So we have Tyree Kill, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, AJ Brown, and Devonta Smith. I think that position has played as crucial a role for teams making the Super Bowl as any position over the last three years. I think that's kind of where we're at. And I know, I know what the Chiefs did last year, but I think we're seeing right now that that was a Mahomes miracle. And you also have to give Juju Smith-Schuster some credit. He's super smart. He's He runs very reliable routes and he's got great hands. Now, his knee might've imploded and he might be damaged good goods, but he was excellent for us last And this isn't the NBA or Major League Baseball. An NFL season is a small sample size, tons of variance. And right now, I think last season looks a little lucky. I'm not saying the Chiefs can't win it again, but I think we can all agree that this is suboptimal, that this setup is suboptimal. A league leading 26 drops for the Kansas City skill players. The Mahomes effect is limited. He can't throw the ball to himself and run and go catch it. So I think the plan coming into the season, we discussed this earlier, was Reed and Veach came up with what I would call similar to running back by committee, wide receiver by committee. You don't see any other team, any other coach be a super spreader like this. I mean, you don't have anyone really exceeding a 60% snap count right now. That's just unheard of across the league. And I know... Andy Reid might be the best coach in the league, but he's kind of doing things differently than 31 other teams. And that has to raise your eyebrows a little bit. They're they're also money balling receiver. They're not spending a lot of money there, treating it like running back. Uh, And then you have, like I said, the weird snap counts. I don't think it's the place to save money. I mean, I want to get your thinking on this, but I think you save money at places like in this current game, running back. Linebacker. I think we've spent too much at safety to be completely honest. They are cheap at linebacker. They're very cheap at linebacker. They're very cheap at running back. The issue is, let's be real now, it's it's a lot of money at right tackle. And it's Joe Tooney is incredible, but it's a lot of money for a left guard. I'm not saying you don't give that contract, but you're going to have to, in the salary cap era, cut back somewhere. They went high-priced at left guard and right tackle. They've gone cheap at linebacker, and it's worked. They've gone cheap at running back, and it's worked. But you were also right. They've actually gone really cheap at cornerback, and that has worked spectacularly. But you're right. They've spent some money at safety, some money, but two of their three guys that they play a ton are rookies. Yeah, I don't know that they needed to spend what they spent on Justin Reed. I get it with the Honey Badger. He really changed the culture of that locker room. And I don't think we would have turned into the Super Bowl winning team we were without that culture change, without him and Spags. And I think from a locker room presence, even Frank Clark, now on this point of spending on the offensive line versus spending on wide receivers, I've got some numbers for you. The top eight offensive linemen for the Kansas City Chiefs this season – $46.1 $46.1 million in cash. The top eight wide receivers for the Chiefs this season, $18.8 million. Now, I, I'm not even asking for that to be even, but that is quite the discrepancy. And I think when we think about protecting our franchise quarterback, 
because of what we went through in Super Bowl 55, we immediately think the key to that, the only key to that, all that matters is the offensive line to keep him upright. But Mahomes this season, his time to throw was 3.02 seconds. His career average is 2.82. He's holding onto the ball way longer. And that's not because his offensive line is like way better or anything like that. It's because guys cannot get open. He does not trust his weapons. That is why he's holding onto the ball. That is why he's scrambling more. And I think I would like the front office and Andy Reid to acknowledge, to recognize. I know they, they, they know this, but they're being stubborn. Protecting your quarterback is not just blocking for him. It is giving him trusted weapons so he doesn't have to hold onto the ball. I'm with you, man. I, 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 I'm disagreeing with you, by the way. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs were arrogant. I think they actually had a game plan in place. And quite frankly, I agreed with the game plan. I still agree with the game plan. It's just not worked, right? I think you can have a right, the right strategy and still have the wrong results, right? I think it's possible. And that's what I think we're seeing right here. The Chiefs thought, okay, well, how can we help Mahomes? We give him a great defense. This way he won't have to score a 35 a game. We will spend money on the offensive line. So he's not getting sacked. He's not currently under duress. So what can we do? Because Mahomes can typically elevate pass catchers. We've seen that in the past, but he can't elevate the defense. He's not playing defense. He can't elevate there. The issue is every single wide receiver has regressed. Outside of Rasheed Rice, Maybe Justin Watson, but I don't know if you want to really stick your eggs in the Justin Watson boat. MVS has regressed. That was their big money signing. That's 10 plus million per year at wide receiver. You mentioned it. That's Jacoby Myers. They tried. It just wasn't the right decision. They spent a second rounder. And I don't want to say I'm a Cole Hartman because that was kind of the previous regime, if you will. Same regime, but previous. Um, previous Mahomes 1.0. Yeah, yeah, the 1.0. Because he was there with Tyreek Hill, that's, a, okay, that's fine. But they spent a second round on Rasheed and a second rounder on Sky. They thought, okay, Sky Moore is going to step up. He will fill in for Juju. Because Juju Smith-Schuster, I do think there was something to it with the knee, the injury. You look what he's doing in New England. He looks like a shell of himself, right? So they thought, okay, that's fine. We just won the Super Bowl with the only difference being Juju Smith-Schuster, who's no longer... Not a viable option. So we have another second rounder, Rasheed Rice. These guys will improve, and Rasheed's been fine. He's been pretty good. But Sky Moore's taking a step back. MVS is taking a step back, right? So at what point you're saying, okay, the game plan was correct. We just could not foresee all of this, all of these players taking massive steps back. That right there is the issue. And Kadarius Tony, let's be real. Kadarius Tony, I think they thought was, I don't believe him when they said wide receiver one. Come on. They were trying to blow smoke up our asses right there. He's a solid player, very talented, but he's never once been a wide receiver one in the NFL. But you're telling me you're saving him for the playoffs because of the, the, the previous injury, but you're going to put him back on punt returns and he's playing in 22 snaps as a wide receiver? Put him out wide receiver instead of punt returner. Like, right, just, right. Again, I think the game plan in the offseason was a fine one. I agree with what they did. It just has not planned out the way they thought it was going to. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay. Like, not every single thing you do is going to work out exactly like you think. The, the thought process is what I agree uh, was the correct thought process. I just don't think it's worked out. And that's a different situation, a different talking point that we're going back and forth right now on. Yeah, I, and I know you're not coming in the kingdom, but I just strongly disagree that it was the right strategy. Because I, I don't think these guys have regressed. I think they played over their head last year. I think Justin Watson, MVS, even Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, definitely Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he played over his head. That was the best season. It looks like an aberration now if you look at what happened before and you look what happened after. And I just think Mahomes was, was walking on water out there, speaking in tongues last season. If you look at Justin Watson and you, and you mentioned putting our eggs in his basket. But Mahomes the, has always been that. Mahomes has always been the best he, quarterback. I mean, in, he's in always NFL. been the best quarterback in the, in the league overall over this era, but he can't be the most efficient quarterback every season. There is a little bit of fluctuation. He, there are different levels of Mahomes. There's, there's God mode. There's demigod mode. There's, you know what I mean? Like, He's not playing quite as well as he was last season, this season. And that's, <laughs> that's so just let me make this point on Justin Watson. 
He's been treated like the wide receiver one. And this shows how flawed their plan was. If you judge by yards, he was Tampa Bay's wide receiver six. Wide receiver six in 2020. There are five receivers on that roster that were better than him. And now he's getting 11 targets for the MVP. That's what we're sticking the MVP with. I believe it's malpractice. I know we all like a strong defense, but the thing about defense in this era is it is not, it is proven not to be a sticky year to year. There's no guarantee that this defense is going to be great next year or even good. But when you have Mahomes and you keep the cupboard stocked, he's always going to be dominant. I kind of wanted us to go the Golden State Warriors route and just blow everybody out of the water. That's obviously not what Brett Veach wanted to do. He went the opposite direction. I I, I don't think that works in football personally. Um, that's my two cents. I, I you know I think the versatility can work as far as you're saying it that works for Tampa. As, I mean, to an extent, they still had a pretty salty defense too. Come on now, don't they did. don't don't, they don't did. get it twisted I, because there's only one football and you don't get as many possessions. In football, as you do in basketball. So in basketball, you're going to have a larger sample size over any given game. And by the way, any given season for it to actually plan out that way. I think football, you can't quite do it the same way. I do have to say, I love this ongoing joke. But for people that don't know, I love Nick Bolton. I know Jesus Perez is struggling to hit on Bolton. And look how he came out to be. Obviously, as a Mizzou alum, I love Nick Bolton. I love the pick. I love him. I hope he resigns here and plays his entire career in Kansas City. So for those of you that don't... Uh, um, understand that inside arrowhead attic joke come on i have to explain that (laughs) yeah because people get mad when they think you're hating on on nick bolton he is such a fan favorite at this point okay so we're on slightly different pages about how we arrived at this problem but i think we both agree there's a problem and we're running out of time to fix it because these receivers they don't fit well together we've made this point in the past correct mbs and watson it's like Blue Steel and La Tigra and Ferrari. It's the same thing, you know? It's not, it's not different. And they get the veteran deference because they know the playbook and they do the right things. But Dan Orlovsky, I don't know if you saw this, he pointed out that, uh, I think it was on Pat McAfee, that on a, on a post route where Mahomes wanted Justin Watson to turn that into a go route, to yes. turn that into a nine, he didn't read it right. Correct. And it would have been a touchdown. Similar thing happened with MVS where he wanted him to go uh, kind of diagonal back towards the pylon and he kind of flattened out his route. So it's not like these guys are like 10 times more savvy than than uh, Rashi and Kadarius and even and even Sky Moore. I, I just don't get it. When you when I see this combination and 11 personnel, these three receivers together, when I see MVS Justin Watson and Sky Moore, I'm like, fuck it. Tommy Townsend, start warming up because this is a punt. I don't understand. When I when we pull Rasheed Rice out on third down, I pull my hair out. Yes. I want Kadarius Tony out there. I don't care if he isn't the savviest route runner. He, he can make things happen. He is making things happen when he's out there. I'm with you. I do not. What I would do is just have McCole Hardman return punts, uh, have MDS and Justin Watson alternate at stretch X and mm-hmm. play Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony because even if they do have their warts right now and they're not the most polished technicians, we know that they can make plays. They're the only two guys that are really making consistent plays, in my opinion. You're 100% correct, especially with how you would have them line up. I'm with you. Justin Watson and MVS are very similar style players. And by the way, if you're a veteran, you've been in the NFL this long, and you don't know what route to run, you don't know to come back to the football. I mean, we saw MVS earlier this year and Justin Watson on that fourth and 25. Come back to the ball. If they're not doing the little things, like you're telling me Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice can't do the same thing, and those guys I think are more talented? Like that makes no sense to me. If you're a veteran and you're not doing the veteran things you're, you're brought in to do, what's the point? What's the point? I don't understand it. And that's what it comes down to. Again, again, the question or, or the argument I've had with you is, are the wide receivers bad right now? Yeah. But did I think the, the thought process was arrogant? Do I think the thought process was inherently flawed? And that's where I disagree because I probably would have done the same thing. And we all talked about going into this season, how deep they were 
how solid they were. Okay. We all agreed for the most part with the thought process. I was there at training camp. I watched them firsthand. They looked explosive, but it seems like every single wide receiver has the yips. It all seems like they're in their dome right now. Again, let's just say you're a shortstop in baseball, right? Let's say you make an error. Yeah. Let's say you make an error. A lot of a lot of guys, not all guys, they either want the ball hit back to them again so they can make up for it, or they go hit it to the third baseman. I don't even want this ball near me. This team right now has a whole bunch of guys that don't want the ball hit to them. That's the issue right here, in my opinion. There's no alpha. They all have the yips. It looks like they're all scared. They're going over the middle, short-arming the ball, alligator arm central. They make one mistake, and then they're just frazzled. That's what it seems like is going on right now. Well, I think part of why it's going on is every other receiving core in the league, those guys, those, you know, mainly two, three guys, sometimes four, they're getting 75% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps. A lot of times, 80% of the snaps. And when you're getting 60, 50, 40, in Kadarius Tony's uh, situation, 28% was like, that's higher than what it's been for him this, this past week. I don't know how you can expect those guys to get in a groove, establish some rhythm, have chemistry and continuity with the quarterback. It just isn't happening. They have to settle on a few guys and let them, you know, you mentioned uh, making mistakes. If MVS, and Justin Watson are making mistakes. Well, then what's the difference that, between them and playing the young guys? And hopefully, if Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore are making these mistakes, they can learn from them. Because NBS and Justin Watson, they are capped. They're, they're at their ceiling. But those other guys, there's still a chance that they could develop into something more. So if the veterans are making mistakes, why not let the young kids make mistakes and learn and improve with those snaps. You won't hear any disagreement from me there. And that's my whole point is if the veterans are making mistakes, the young guys who still have room for improvement, if they make mistakes, who cares? That's a learning opportunity for them. Where do you see the the the, the ceiling for MVS and Justin Watson? They're at it. Even with Sky Moore, like I know people rip on him all the time and we, we've had our fair share of shots at him, but let's be real now. He's a second year player coming from a small school. He's a slot receiver who's being asked to play on the outside a ton. This is a huge difference for him. Again, I'm not saying he's without fault, but you're telling me right now who I'd rather see make a mistake, Sky Moore or MVS? Give me Sky. Yeah, and the, the difference with Sky compared to Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony is I think he's had a full complement of snaps or much closer this year, and he just he's one of the most inefficient receivers in the league. I mean, sure. Rasheed Rice has been he's at his yards per out run are two point one nine. That leads receivers on the Chiefs by a wide margin. I think Justin Watson's at like one point six zero. So Rasheed Rice is the one thing that I don't understand. I thought coming out of the bye, they would have self-scouted and said, you know, he's young, but he is our most dynamic playmaker outside of Pacheco and Kelsey. We have no choice but to get him more involved. And they're, they're, it just seems like they're not going to do it. He's a rookie and he hates rookie receivers. He doesn't want to play him uh, at like a 70 or 80% clip. We've even seen guys like Demarcus Robinson play that much. Sammy yeah. Watkins, of course, Tyree Kill. The, the guys that have gotten into a groove in this offense have been full-time receivers, not part-time receivers. Gosh, I hope this changes, but I, I think it's going to have to be one of those situations where Brett Beach goes into the offseason like he did after Super Bowl 55 and says, we've got a major problem. I'm not going to do this to our franchise quarterback. I'm going to overcorrect. I'm going to draft the receiver in the first round. I'm going to trade for someone. I'm going to bring someone in through free agency. I think they have to do multiple things this offseason to fix this problem. Well, I agree, and I think they will. You know, again, I think they will. I'm just saying going into this season, I don't disagree with the game plan. It just not, it hasn't worked. In the salary cap era as well, everyone wants to have all pros at every single position, and you're just not going to have, have that. Again, Mahomes is on his second contract now. And we're lucky because – Mahomes won on a rookie deal and he's won on his second contract. And that was also without Tyree Kill, right? I mean, you could be the Bills, you could be the Bengals, you could be those fans, right? I mean, that would suck, right? You haven't won with those guys on rookie deals and now you're on their second contracts. And now good luck paying all of those wide receivers, right? So 
let's put some perspective into this. They've still won and they've done it two different ways so far. The Chiefs are now trying to do it a third way, which is defensive first, which, by the way, they still have an opportunity and a chance to do that. The issue is here now. Going into this upcoming offseason, they're going to have more money to work with. MVS is going to be off, right? You're not paying MVS. Uh, Joe Tooney, I believe I looked at his contract. They restructured it. So I don't think you're necessarily getting out of that contract. The other issue you have, though, is at left tackle. Donovan Smith is on a very cheap deal. Either Wanye Morris is the guy, which then you're actually saving a lot of money there. Yay, yay, yay. Or you might have to actually spend a little bit more money at left tackle. But again, there's not a lot of holes on this defense. Not a lot of... Um, I mean, on this team, and I think they'll find a way to get it done. They just they couldn't do it this off season, in my opinion, because they're trying to build the defense and build the offensive line. And I think one thing to mention, to be fair to Brett Veach and to Andy Reid, is I think the Tyreek Hill situation did blindside them a, a, a little bit. It blindsided them. They weren't expecting. It seemed like before that Devontae Adams deal that reset the market, you know, it, all signs showed him coming back to Kansas City. And I think they had to kind of scramble late in last free agency. And uh, uh, MVS was part of that, right? MVS oh, yeah. was like a, la- a, a kind of a last minute contingency plan. I don't think he was plan A. I think he was plan B or even plan C. And now they're stuck with it until next season when they can, of course, get out of that contract. And they're really like this past offseason, there weren't a lot of good options on the free agent market at wide receiver is a very weak class. There are rumors that they were kind of in on AJ Brown, that they were sniffing around. You like to hear that. Maybe someone like Brandon Ayuk, the 49ers will deem him, you know, too expensive with all the other luxuries they have. You think he's gone? No, I, I, Brandon Ayuk is, I, I get it. It's tough because they already gave Debo that contract, but Brandon Ayuk is way more talented, in my opinion, than Debo Samuel. I don't even really think then it's they're going to have to, they're going to have to trade Debo because I just don't think they can, they can keep CMC, Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk. But maybe, maybe their owner is, is just like, you got a quarterback on a rookie deal, man. You got a quarterback on a rookie deal. You're already right. paying a couple of backups. Sam Darnold's not going to, they're not going to keep him on that current contract, you know, because now they actually believe in Brock Purdy. Um, They'll find a way, man. It's so much easier when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. All right. I think Adam may have froze just a little bit there. But again, the offseason free agents for Kansas City, the wide receiver market, for everyone wanting to go out and get a big name, it would have had to been by trade. When you look at the wide receivers who were free agents, you had what DeAndre Hopkins, who has been pretty good, um, but... I think we get enamored by three games instead of the full totality of the season. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster. He was actually the leading free agent receiver in yards with 933. You had Alan Lazard and Jacoby Myers. There wasn't a lot of great options. I see Joshua Clayton say Ayuk is a, is a second, not a number one. I disagree, man. I think Brandon Ayuk is a number one. Uh, you watch him play. In my opinion, he is much more valuable, especially as a wide receiver, than Debo Samuel. Um he, he grades out very well. The numbers are there. The eye test is there. Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion, is perpetually ranked as one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Adam's back. And before I let him take us out here, I want to say to everyone, thank you guys so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Again, we have a Thanksgiving episode coming out tomorrow just for you guys. But we really do appreciate you guys. I'll get a little mushy. Okay, because this is so much fun being able to do this and have this community with you guys. If you guys want to throw us a like, review on the uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, that'd be a huge help. But thank you guys so much for spending time with us, for spending time out of your day, talking Chiefs, listening to Chiefs talk. Um, Truthfully, guys, it does mean a lot. Yeah, and sorry for that. I don't know why I'm having, I never have internet connectivity problems, but must be something with Thanksgiving. One flag I want to plant that, You're hearing some grumbles about wide receiver coach Connor Embry. I think it's going to be a discussion point for the rest of the season. Very important position, wide receiver. And if you look at defensive backs, Dave Merritt, defensive line, Joe Cullen, offensive line, Andy Heck, these are very sought after experienced coaches. And they just kind of threw the newbie at the wide receiver, kind of the make or break position of the 2023 season. It is a bit of a head scratcher. And his recent press conference, it didn't exactly, you know, infuse us with a bunch of confidence. So I think that's a discussion we'll be having in upcoming weeks. But that's all we've got, Addicts. Uh, Big props to the chat. We appreciate you. 
I'm very thankful for you guys. If it wasn't for your support, I would not be back here at the attic podcasting. So I am just so grateful for that. Before you roll out, like Sterling said, consider mashing the like button, subscribing to the channel if you haven't. If, if you're not subscribed, what are you doing? We're cranking out Chiefs content. We're really growing fast. So please, please, please do that. And if you're an audio listener on Apple or Spotify, please consider giving us a five-star rating. That really helps us reach more fans. But enjoy your holiday and we will be back next Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Central right here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. Until then, go Chiefs. Sweet potato casserole. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.